You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey guys, it's Blake, and before the show starts, I just wanted to give you guys a heads up. I was experimenting with a different microphone on this episode, and it did not perform as I would like it to. So, you can still hear me just fine, the quality is just not quite as good. So, I will be ditching that and going back to my other mic, which seemed to perform just fine. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to the ToneMob.com podcast, the show where we talk about guitar tone and the people behind it. With me today, I have uh, Stephen Pettyjohn of Pettyjohn Electronics. He's an audio engineer, a circuit bender, and based in our earlier chat, a reformed hermit. So, uh, how you doing, man? <laughs> hey, I'm doing good. Doing good. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you probably are doing pretty good. i just seen that you... Uh, we're on the cover of the old uh, Tone Report. That's got to be pretty sweet. Yeah, man. That was fun to see that come out. It was actually, it just came out this afternoon. So looks like they did, uh, got the cover action and uh, an interview we did with them and uh, uh, a pedal review on the new Petty Drive. That's killer. Yeah. <clears throat> man, the the Petty Drive looks really sick. I have not got to mess with that, but that looks highly intriguing. It's a it's a deep black hole of knobs and switches. Oh, who <laughs> might never return. Who doesn't like that, man? That's fantastic. That's right. Yes. So I guess uh, we can get started with kind of a basic thing. Like, uh, what's kind of like your your musical backstory, if you want to say? Do you like always play in bands? I know you mentioned that you did some. Uh, you had a studio of your own. Uh, you can kind of start wherever sure. you want. Let's see here. Picked up a guitar uh, somewhere in middle school and uh, then played all through high school um, and then kind of got into recording at the end of high school and ended up uh, going to electrical engineering uh, at University of Alaska Fairbanks. So doing college up in Alaska there, uh, studying electrical engineering to kind of Learn. I was actually literally went in wanting to learn about design pedals and amps and stuff like that. Of course, they don't tell you how to do that, but um, <laughs> it was much too much fun if they would have done that. It had to be much harder and and more uh, taxing for right. your money. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you know. Uh, still still had fun it was kind of one of those things where uh uh i was kind of always in the back of my mind thinking how how whatever lesson we were learning or whatever circuit thing we were learning about would kind of apply to studio gear or guitar gear kind of kept me going for a few years there 
Um, but uh, during college, I started a recording studio of my own and, and actually kind of worked my way through college with a small recording studio in a basement and, and uh, recording local bands and, and producing artists and such. And, and kind of, kind of was just always doing, doing something musical to try to get by living cheap doing schoolwork and making music as much Very as I nice. could. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of, you know, I don't know. I, 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 sometimes I look back on that now and go, man, I was, I don't know how I did that. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that seems to be the case, but with a lot of guys in, in this industry. <laughs> it's a... Yeah. It, it's a, it's a, it's a tough road with no roadmaps or you kind of just, I think, end up, uh, plowing through and one day you wake up and you're right. somewhere different. Of course. <laughs> put your head down, put your head down go. and just plow, man. That's just kind of, yeah. Um, but yeah, so then, uh, actually I was in a band, uh, started a band my junior year in co college. Uh, and we ended up winning a national battle of the bands through the Christian music festival association and won a developmental deal with word records and warner brothers down in nashville wow. so we actually moved from alaska to nashville uh, after my junior year to try to kind of pursue the the big old you know label deal thing and uh so that kind of happened fast and out of left field and uh and uh we ended up spending a couple years in nashville uh just Le really what that was what was cool about that was uh that was just seeing the music industry from that side of things you know being on the ground meeting people hanging out down the music row and talking with a and r guys working with producers and writers and just kind of kind of seeing how the whole thing worked we did a lot of touring and just kind of did that full time for a couple of years it ended up kind of not being being what I really wanted to spend my life doing. Didn't really want to be out on the road forever. And kind of, you know, I, I tell people I kind of got that out of my system. Right. <laughs> and and, and kind of realized, hey, I kind of really enjoy the studio side of this. Uh, and one day I'd like to have a family. So that might be a little bit easier to stay home with the fam if I'm running yeah, the studio. Sure. Uh, running the studio gig. So I actually, at that point, um, also realized I didn't particularly like living in Tennessee and, uh, being from Alaska, it was just maybe a little bit too hot and flat. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I ended up out here in Oregon. Good call. <laughs> uh, knew some, yeah, it was a good call. Uh, I moved out here five years ago now and, and, uh, Moved to Albany area actually, which is kind of a funny place to move to. But I have friends there, and they had a basement I could live in. So I packed everything I owned in the back of my Ford Ranger and drove uh, drove across the country in the middle of winter and moved into my friend's basement. There you go. <laughs> and and yeah. there you, that's how you end I, up in I, Oregon. I, right? Well, I don't know how people end up here. I've always been here, so. Uh... <laughs> I'm a little well, bit of, yeah, there you I, go. and I've been kind of in various places around the country, and I'm like, yep, that's where I need to stay. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's a good place. Yeah, no, so it's it's kind of, um, 
scratches the the northwestern you know Alaskan edge enough to keep me happy on that front and then uh obviously much better connected to uh the rest of the world right. than Alaska is even though I I do miss it at times it's it's that it was a really cool place to grow up oh but, yeah I, I gotta get up there uh, at some point that sounds amazing yeah yeah pretty inspirational but so um I actually uh you know didn't start uh teetering much with pedals other than just buying them and using them uh until the last you know couple of years uh two three years i i was mainly focused on uh working work in my studio so uh recording bands artists again once i moved out here really uh, tried to work work more as much as i could on recording stuff and uh, end up really getting into post-production and getting in, got an analog console and got into mixing and eventually into mastering. And now I'd say probably about 50% of what I do oh, is mastering. Okay. <clears throat> so I mostly work post these days, which I really enjoy. And it, it, uh, it, it's, it fits my kind of engineering personality real good. I, I'm kind of an artistic engineer, which is a weird, weird, a rare breed, maybe not, so much of uh I can produce, but I, I feel more comfortable in the engineering seat. But definitely musicality and art is still uh, plays a big role in how I work. So being able to, to work in post is a is a good fit for me. I, I could see myself working that, you know, for a yeah, long time. And that's something that's so foreign to me. I've, you know, done a decent amount not a ton, but a decent amount of recording, and I've been really fortunate to be in some cool, really nice studios. Um, recording like my my last band's nice. album, or my my current band's last album, or uh, last and first. There you go. <laughs> um, and, okay. You know, uh, a guitar player in my band, he's he's got a really good ear for mixing, and and so he mixed it in his uh, small home studio. And as soon as we started talking yeah. mastering, I'm like. I don't know. I don't. That's a whole foreign thing to me. I don't understand. I know what the concept is, but I it do is. not get how the the actual hands on confuses me. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I, you know, I picked I picked up on it. It I was like that for years too. You know, I'm like, don't. I mean, kind of have to dabble in it from time to time for a client on a budget, but never really happy with the results I could get, and ended up always trying to send it out. You know, if if there was budget for it, just uh, you know, um, but I I ended up sitting in on uh, a handful of sessions throughout the years, both in Nashville and out here in Portland, and um, picked really was able to kind of pick up on you know every it, it's mastering is just kind of this weird thing where everyone kind of has their own approach to it and their own set of gear and signal chain, and they're they they end up kind of having their own tricks that they that they like and and their own tool bag so to speak but so it's not a real real hard science but uh uh you know i've picked up on some of those kind of really different approaches from mixing and and started experimenting with them and after about four years now i've i've really kind of come into some of my own Kind of created my whole own process for it that is very unique to me and uh, and and it tends to give results that I really like. So 
my clients seem happy. So that's uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what's important, key, right? <laughs> uh, what's the name of your yep. of your studio? And, I'll, and if you got a website, I'll plug that in the old uh, show notes so everybody can check it out. Yeah, Sh- sure. Uh, uh, ethereal mastering. So E T H E R E A L mastering. Okay, dot com. perfect. I'll put a link in that. So actually, yep. that sounds really familiar. Sweet. I wonder if I googled that at some point somehow. That sounds familiar. <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> I, did, I did Google local mastering places when we were shopping around, so I, I'm curious if I stumbled across that at some point. But <laughs> Probably did. That was kind of, you know, just most of it comes in over the Internet, so it's kind of a fun, fun. I'm always listening to new music that way, which keeps yeah. life interesting. Very cool. <laughs> So kind of moving back to more of the uh, guitar side of things. Sure. So the pre-drive, um, that, as I understand, is your first product that you came out with. Um, board, yep. But I'm assuming just based on the level of uh, of what's going on with that thing, that's probably not your first pedal that you built. <laughs> well, that's that's the funny thing about it is it's it, – it actually is my maiden voyage. Wow. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it was uh, – oh, you know, people sometimes ask me about the R&D process, you know, coming up with these circuits. And I, it's, it's very laborious and there's much weeping and gnashing <laughs> of teeth and gray hairs. You know, it's just – it's um, – it's – I, easily the most challenging thing I've ever done. Uh, both of the both pedals I've come out with now, now that I have two, um, both were equally hard for different reasons, and uh, both took about the same amount of time. The first one, uh, the pre-drive. So I had uh, hadn't really dabbled much in circuits for about five or six years uh, since I was mainly doing music, music's you know playing guitar and all that doing studio work and um but in my my researching studio gear i had come across all sorts of uh on all the forums and such all these engineers and and technical folk talking about all the different circuits used in say microphone preamps or recording consoles or eqs and ultimately it you know you get into that high-end audiophile stuff they dive into the circuitry and they start talking about, you know, this is why this sounds better. Or this particular type of circuit, I think, sounds better in this situation. And this is why. And ultimately, on those crazy forums, you end up having some really smart dude show up who starts dropping equations <laughs> and <laughs> talking about mystical black, you know, boxes or capacitors or chips or, you know, whatever their favorite. Uh, of course. Is and, of course, and it's 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 kind of equally entertaining as it is uh, educating, and uh, and so I kind of uh, through researching gear basically uh, started, you know, re- I was always applying my electrical engineering background to try to kind of decipher what they're saying, and ultimately would end up hearing about some new something that I hadn't heard of before, and go on a rabbit trail and learn all I could about that. You know, and one of those particular parts was uh, these discrete op amps, and uh, that we use in the pre-drive and in the Petty Drive Deluxe. And uh, basically, 
a discrete op amp uh, originally uh, it was the precursor to what we you know the monolithic op amp the little black boxes that you have in most pedals other than uh, the, that are chips you know little dip eight chips or what's right. whatnot. And and before you had those, which basically the the amplifier circuit is built into a, a you know laser cut out of a piece of silicone, single piece of silicone, uh, you had to uh, people figured out it'd be very nice for design's sake to to create an amplifier block that could be you know reused that you could just ma kind of mass produce them. But all they had was these discrete transistors at the time, and so they actually created uh, the same, you know, essentially the same thing as those smaller chips, but using discrete, you know, individual transistors and resistors and through whole components, capacitors and such. And uh, that was actually what you had beforehand. And one of the first applications of, and one of the only really practical applications was in, was in high-end recording equipment. And, uh, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, a lot of uh, a lot of high end stuff. API was really one of the big big companies that that they had came out with their twenty five uh, twenty chip. I think is what it's called. Anyway, they they have uh, you know just about every stage in their consoles is driven by one of their discrete op amps. And same, uh, you have some of the Neve gear, older Neve gear had discrete op amps in them, and as did the uh, John Hardy nine ninety chip uh base gear and so there's a whole slew of kind of gear that is still to this day coveted and kind of mythical in its tonal qualities. Oh yeah. Uh you know and in amongst studio engineers. So I I uh I kind of just had this thought of well I know these chips are really expensive but I wonder what they would sound like in a guitar pedal. You know, would you get this they're kind of known for being clear and punchy and fast and just kind of more musical and more open than a standard op amp. And so I wondered if, you know, uh, you know, and that's in the case of a, of a right. microphone pre or yeah. EQ. Right. You know, so I thought, you know, I wonder if I could, uh, get one of these to, to work in a guitar pedal and would it have this a similar effect compared to you know your standard guitar pedal using a you know anywhere from a 45 cent you know 45 58 you know or a, a you know four dollar burrs browns is is a high-end high-end you know audiophile chip so to say but these discrete op amps are you know 50 to 100 dollars a chip wow <laughs> in I'd yeah I knew they so were they're expensive. like i didn't know multiple that, that it was getting into that territory for a small piece of you know small piece of the puzzle relatively so yeah yeah so they there's a whole whole slew of them you know i don't know there's at least 30 to 40 different discrete op amps out there in the market there's probably more i don't know there might be over 50 but um and uh you know they're not all necessarily interchangeable and there, it, it's a real interesting class of, of electronics. It's uh, I've actually built a few kits too, and building them in the original uh, through whole way, you know, it's quite yeah. a chore. <laughs> you know, so anyway, um, lots of design. You know, as I so I dusted off my, you know, this was the idea that basically sparked Page on Electronics was um, 
Uh, and then uh, was this idea of, you know, could I use these discrete op amps in a guitar pedal and would they sound good? Um, and <laughs> it was literally that much. I, I um, And I got approached by a, a business guy and, and a, also a guitarist on the worship team at our church there in Albany named Chris Hoff. And uh, he was looking to start a, a business in music manufacturing and heard I had an idea. I was talking to some friends, basically uh, met up with me and heard out my idea and said, I, I like the idea. We should try it. And so <laughs> basically he's like, you know, what do you need? And, and uh, helped me get all the, the, the parts I would need for an R&D table and, and kind of geared up and, and said, "All right, see, uh, see if he can come up with something in six months, you know." And <laughs> wow. it was kind of from <laughs> there. It was just kind of lock myself in the cave. Yeah, it was kind of like I hadn't, I hadn't even produced a working prototype of anything. Didn't even know if it would work, and so it was kind of like, well, let's uh, 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 dust off my my textbooks and get get out the old internet and. Let's see if we can't uh, turn one of these puppies on and make her purr, and and that's kind of uh, that's how the pre-drive started. So it, uh, the first step in that was just trying to create a buffer. You know, a simple, the simplest building block of any circuit would be a buffer, input buffer, really, and uh, it was also logically one of the first areas you would hear uh, an improvement in the overall quality um and uh and i i kind of had also deduced that from a couple of reasons for one um uh, in the recording studio you the type of preamp you plug into radically can change how your microphone sounds for instance i can take a uh hundred dollar sm57 that sounds just kind of okay through a cheap preamp and plug it into a Neve preamp and it makes an electric guitar amp or a snare drum sound awesome. Right. <laughs> you know, but, but it doesn't necessarily sound all that awesome through a, through a cheap preamp. You know, this preamp interacts with this microphone and really brings it to life, you know? So I had that kind of studio mentality that, you know, the first circuit in your chain is the most important. Whatever you lose in that first circuit, you can never really get back. So I thought, you know, this would be a good place for a, a real high-end audiophile circuit. Um, and beyond that, I started noticing on my pedal board if I, uh, the whatever pedal I put first in the chain actually started changing how my guitar sounded. And it started, I started realizing, you know, whatever first buffer I was plugging into was loading my pickups differently. It would either give me a brighter or a warmer or a more muffled tone. And I thought, you know, if there's ever a place to, to put something this high end, it would be right in that first always on spot. And uh, so basically I, 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 I took me a few months to build a, build a buffer <laughs> that even worked on, a, on a, you know, pedal power. Cause these things take real high voltage and, I had to figure out how to get it to work on, you know, it pre-drives on 18 volts. But anyway, found finally got one to work and uh, started comparing it to, you know, say your classic buffers. I built, you know, the buffer that's in the clone that some people like, you know, or 
the buffer that's in a tube screamer or you know all these kind of your kind of classic pedal buffers as kind of something to compare to and uh you know i just notice an increase in clarity and in depth and uh just sounded you know musical without being harsh you know clarity without being harsh and i thought this is exactly you know more string harmonics and more pick detail and I thought this is exactly what I was hoping to to get out of this something of this effect compared to uh kind of the other buffers on the market and I thought well let's create a pedal that would have everything I could ever want in the first pedal in my chain <laughs> there you go <laughs> you know and so that's where all the features on the pre drive started I I said okay I've got a great buffer now how can I make uh the the uh, you know, a bunch of really useful things so that I, you know, if I'm going to make this expensive of a, bu of a buffer, can I, what are all the things I would ever want in a first, uh, first pedal always on type of uh, application mm -hmm. and both, both live and in the studio. And so uh, the pre-drive was kind of my, my first attempt at taking this, this, uh, this tech, this application of these discrete op amps and trying to create kind of a a, a a premium every feature I could want on this first on in my chain application, and uh, kind of to the nth degree, to so to speak, and uh, kind of be be a real powerful studio tool for the session musician or the engineer, yet be robust enough to take on the road, and. Uh, you know, so that's kind of where a lot of the features in the pre-drive were born out of that thought process. And, uh, you know, the rest is, I'll let you kind <laughs> well, of di ask well, from there. Well, dissecting it the way you just broke it down, that's like, oh, okay. Well, that's why he did that. Like, I get it. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, to me, it, it's always seemed, without actually talking to you first, it's always seemed to me that it was derived from... A, a studio perspective with the features that were built into it. And so it's really interesting um, to find out that that was actually the case. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So for instance, uh, the, the circuit is actually designed and, uh, and built in true audio file form. Uh, I, I, I ear tested a bunch of different high end capacitors um for the coupling caps and ended up with with the real high-end line from wima the mkp8 10s that i just were the closest thing i actually built a direct coupled version of the circuit and compared it to the one with the caps in it <laughs> and 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 uh tried to find the one that was the closest thing to not having any capacitors in the chain oh okay and then i was about to go use, so now hold on you're yeah, about to exceed my my electronics knowledge because i don't yeah. know what that means yeah I do so know. i got you yeah so there's yeah the cap the capacitors in the chain can affect the tone you know so i really i actually built one without any in the chain which wasn't able it's not something we can mass produce but just for the sake of comparing to um i uh i i went ahead and went through that whole process you know in my studio and through guitar amps of auditioning different series of capacitors and and you know using audiophile resistors and you know just kind of tick it to the integrity. I was, my my thought process there was if i'm going to use uh two fifty dollar chips in this pedal i'm going to give it the best 
quality possible around it of circuit support to really let these chips shine, you know. And and so I really tried to make it the the circuit as simple yet as um and as transparent as possible, so that you really heard what those you know could try to hear what those mm -hmm. chips were doing, and set them up for success. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to uh you know spend the money on the chips and then have everything else be kind of of lower grade. It kind of defeats <laughs> the the. Per I mean, <laughs> it makes me wonder if if you were to if somebody was to do that. If you'd even be able to tell what it was doing, you know, not 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 nearly as much, you know, um, you know, and a lot of a lot of the stuff we're talking, you know, it's kind of a hard pedal to talk about. I'll be real honest. It's it's more something that you plug in and go, oh, you know, now I can get it. Yes, you know, because the descriptive words are kind of well, funny. Yeah. Maybe even seem uh, seem hypey or markety at times. What we're just trying to talk about. Well, I, you know? <laughs> I mean, trying to describe sound is always a difficult thing. Like, uh, yes, and you sometimes just end up sounding like a moron when you do it. <laughs> but it just is because it's cause right. It's it's using words. Uh, you know, that's a, It's just I don't even I don't even know how to describe what I'm talking La about. Language. <laughs> Exactly. The English language fails to uh, fully describe what our ears can hear and what our, what we can feel in sound and tone. So, you know, we do our best. And uh... <laughs> right. So that's the story of the pre-drive, and um, and the mm -hmm. petty drive is a pretty recently. I mean, when did that come out? Just in the last month or so, or two months, or something like that. Yeah, we officially uh, released the Petty Drive uh, June 30th, so it's just a month and a half it's been out now, um, and it's already, uh, we've already sold about half as many Petty Drives as we did the pre-drive for the whole entire year, you know, before that came out, so it's been a, a great start for us. We actually kind of had to hire a bunch of people, and it's been a, July was crazy, actually, I I'm glad that it's August. <laughs> hey, that's that's <laughs> good problems to have, man. Good Yo. problems to have, man. Yep, totally. That's killer. Totally. So, can we? It was the process. I mean, kind of similar for that pedal as well, or or, or how did you approach that one? Because that seems to be. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's got a lot going on, like you say. But it seems to be okay. I want to make a epic sounding drive pedal with every feature that I could possibly think of. Is that? Am I in the right direction with that, or how did you approach that one? Um, actually, uh, you know, yeah. So the approach on the Petty Drive um, was actually something I was thinking about even while I was designing the pre-drive, um, and I felt like the the reason we went with the pre-drive first was for a few reasons. For one. Uh, I felt like it was a better introduction, a uh, better product to introduce the world to the discrete op amp, which comes with a lot of education. I, as far as I know, there's no other pedals using discrete op amps still to this point. So I, we, we, we had a big, you know, battle of, of e education and no one, you know, half guitarists don't even know what a discrete op amp is. And, you know, so uh what we find you know that pedal is popular with recording engineers and, and and session players and such but with the petty drive i i knew that if i i knew i wanted to come out with an overdrive pedal 
I just, I, I just uh, knew it had to be awesome. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it couldn't. You, 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 you don't, don't want to, uh, you know, uh, follow up the something like the free drive with. Uh, a tube screamer. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It and and it's the 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 petty the pre drive in some ways was easier to stand out. You know, it's a cool looking box. It looks good on you know social media and such. Uh, it's um, it's kind of different. It's you know if you go to a preamp section on a website, there's not that many options. You know, so um, but with an overdrive pedal, the markets you know. There's a, a thousand and twenty nine overdrive pedals on oh, any given it? website. So uh, uh, maybe <laughs> t- you know two thousand and twenty nine. I don't know. It, there's there's so many. It's it, it, and in and I dare say you know there's a bit of oversaturation in that field. So um, uh, if not if nothing else, at least option fatigue and uh, lots of great pedals out there. Um, so many more than ten you know ten even five years ago so so many great boutique designs and so i in kind of contemplating the design on on this drive pedal um <clears throat> again i i was like how how do we stand out um you know how do we stand out how do we bring something fresh and uh and ultimately for me is how do i design an overdrive pedal that i actually like um was actually a big a big question for me cuz I'm I'm the type of player overdrive's like real cornerstone to me. I'm not a real high game player usually. Um, you know, session work and whether it's playing at church or playing playing at a bar or any sort of gig like that, you know, overdrive is kind of my what my core, you know, drive. And I've used amp drive for years and I always felt that pedals kind of lacked in a few areas. And um I kind of used an overdrive pedal when I had to turn my amp down or, you know, it was almost like a compromise to use a, uh, an overdrive pedal. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hear that. And then like, like you say, I think until the last few years, I mean, it's the, the quality of drives lately is just out of control, but I, I mean, I mean, there's yeah. the legendary ones that sound pretty good, obvious or sound really good, but then, you know, I, I just feel like the nineties, were a big letdown as far as overdrive pedals go. <laughs> there, there, there wasn't oh, yeah. anything. I shouldn't say anything. There's not a whole lot that I was aware of that would really blow up my skirt today. But then again, I'm kind of living in a spoiled age for a pedal addict like myself. So, <laughs> uh, completely. And and uh, and so you know, I uh, you know some of my criteria like um, I've got to kick every overdrive on my board off and be happy to gig with this, you know, my, my drive, you know, so it, it was kind of, there's a per, bit of personal, uh, uh, competition within myself, you know, can I create a drive? I, that is, uh, that makes me not, uh, that makes me not crave uh, something slightly different or, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, the classic, the classic, uh, I'm always tweaking and, you know, I'm always reaching down cause it's not quite right, you know, and, Sounds good, but it's just not quite right. You know that that whole syndrome. Oh no, I have no idea what uh, you're talking about. <laughs> I, I feel like most overdrive pedals, even the good sounding ones, still have somewhat of that type of uh, 
final result where like, yeah, this sounds good, but you change a guitar or you change a song or you change an amp and man, it's just all out of whack, man. And it just doesn't feel quite right. And, um, and, and then you get, that's before you ever get into stacking, which, uh, as being an engineer, I love, I love stacking. I don't know if that's my engineering brain. I know lots of guys out there like it, but I just oh, think I it's it. fun. It's the only way to um, roll. It, yeah. And it's just, it brings so much character and, and yet at the same time, it's a huge unknown equation that, um, is kind of sent all these guitarists, uh, you know, into the endless abyss of trying to figure out which pedals are going to play nice together and sound good with your guitar and with your amp and style. And and it's fun, but also kind of endless, um, which is maybe part of what makes it fun. But uh, all that all that to say is I, I, I'm in a situation often where, um, you know, I break a string, say I'm playing on my telly, and I break a string at a gig and got to pull up my Les Paul. And man, my drives do not sound right. <laughs> yeah. 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 All of a sudden it's like, hey, you know, where all this mud come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and, and, or just, I just don't respond as well. You know, I, I, I can really love my tone with my, my telly, but my Paul just doesn't quite ever, even with all the tweaking I can do, can't ever get it to live. Or vice versa, you know, find a pedal I love with my Paul, but not with my Tele or my Strat, and and so I really, I that that's that's one area I really wanted to, um, man, throughout the entire R and D process on the Petty Drive, I was really, I was constantly switching guitars. Actually, I bought a Strat, uh, a Strat that had a Gibson Burstbucker in the uh, in the bridge and a single coil in the middle, and then a uh, coil tapping uh, Shaler 50 in the neck so I could basically get about six different guitars of combination you know out of just that one guitar yeah it makes it a, <laughs> a little more efficient but, yeah mm-hmm. a little more efficient you know how does it sound with the Gibson let me go find out how does it sound with the strap yep, there you go so just flick a switch so but um you know really wanted to be able to um creates uh uh some circuits that responded equally well ultimately to to humbuckers and single coils and um and could kind of get you back to the experience you had with either uh quickly if you had to change so that's uh that's a big design criteria for me um on that on this pedal another design criteria was um other than like, you know, your classics, I really wanted something that was quiet. I was tired of like really noisy overdrives, especially once I started stacking them. Wanted something that that was was real quiet. And, uh, but uh, another thing that I just struggle with with a lot of, even the, uh, a lot of great overdrive pedals is they can either be uh, like kind of too muddy and just kind of undefined or kind of harsh. Um, I like to call it the uh, the the angry bumblebee syndrome, where it just sounds like you sh- put a bunch of bumblebees in a jar and shook them up till they're angry, and you just get mm-hmm. this buzz sound that that you can't get rid of. You can't in the studio. You can't really EQ it out. You know, I'm always dumping highlands like crazy. In the while I'm mixing live sound, I'm always trying to get rid of that buzz, you know, and then get rid of the mud. And so I really wanted to kind of in the end, create a, a, a overdrive pedal that would kind of give you uh, the ability uh, to get 
mixed type tone of structures and 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 uh, gain structures out of right out of your amp and and i think what a lot of people don't realize is that you know the tone that comes out of your amp and the tone that your mic hears are two completely different things and that and then the tone that fin- ends up on a record or, or, you know, coming through live speakers also is another thing. You know, once the engineer has EQ and compression and all the studio tricks, you know, to kind of make it sit in the mix right, it ends up sounding a whole bunch different than it originally sounded. So I kind of, uh, you know, took all this kind of post knowledge I have and even some engineering experience I have and tried to create circuits that were voiced kind of as those in those sweet spots of where I normally finish, finish with a mix or finish with a master. Um, so that the engineer wouldn't be, wouldn't be dumping these areas that normally build up in a lot of classic overdrive designs. And, um, so that's kind of, I think a unique approach in that I really tried to create final product voiced circuits, um, which, uh, an, yeah, that's kind of, um, and then I think maybe the last thing I wanted, you know, I'll mention on the design thought process is actually in, in gain stacking and uh, in working in the studio a lot, I find that I I actually need a lot less gain than, I, than you might think you do, especially if you're just jamming in the bedroom or, you know, even in a bar. By the time you put a mic on it, you actually end up turning down the gain, usually 30%, you know, at least and just cleaning up that signal. And, and so I wanted to, I, I found it with a lot of the pedals I was using is, you know, I back off the gain and kind of have this tiny little sweet spot where it's kind of edge of breakup. And I would try to put pedals there and, and it would be like this tiny little spot that if I just barely touched it, it would be out. And then all this extra gain that I'd never use. So I try to kind of create a low and a medium gain side that really had a smooth transition through, you know, and, and really kind of blew up that sweet spot, sweet spot, so to speak. And so there's not as huge of a range of gain. It's real. And they're really designed to stack to kind of get your standard medium to higher gain overdrive. You don't really get it out of either circuit by themselves, but, uh, but it's, it's a, uh, kind of a blown up sweet spot like a really like wide sweet spot basically Mm -hmm. exactly yeah so so some of my favorite settings are actually with say on the the chime channel which is the right hand side which is a low gain drive uh you might have to turn it all the way up you know you might actually dime the thing and just leave it there you know and so there's um there's uh it seems like there's, you know, when you're looking at the Petty Drive, the red one here, the new one, it looks like there's a lot going on, and and I and and in the reality, there's there's actually a lot of it set and forget. So there's first of all, there's nothing under the hood. A lot of boutique pedals, they'll have trim pots and switches. You have to open up the pedal to get to, and I just find that stupid. I mean, I'll be really honest. Like I'm like, really, I've got to unscrew my pedal and take it off my vocal board to make a change and then plug it back in. And I don't know if I'll like the change or ever get back to where it was right. before. <laughs> well, it makes you know me feel I mean? like, like some of them, like, maybe the designer didn't actually want you to mess with that for whatever reason. 
But then I'm kind totally, of thinking, then totally. why is it a trim pot? <laughs> yeah, why is it? Why you just make it a fixed and, resistor and, then and call it a day? But <laughs> right, and and so um, ultimately, this the there's you know two independent drive circuits in there, and you just have three basic you know three knob over uh, overdrive controls: gain, output, and a tone knob for each side. It's pretty straightforward, actually. Um, the the iron side, the left side has has a clean mix knob as well, which is which is cool. We can talk about that later. But then you have the series of mini toggles, and it's and it's just each side has a three way clipping switch, and each side has a three way low cut switch, which is kind of a studio approach to it. But basically, as I was designing it, you know, as you've probably experienced, as you change clipping, lots of pedals these days have different you know clipping sections that you can change, but your low end both your high end and your low end always seems to change with that. And so basically that three-way low cut is there to be able to compensate for the three-way okay, clipping. Okay, I got you. So yes. does that make sense? And so and so you can you could literally cycle through any three of those clipping and then quickly cycle through your low cut switches to to get to a consistent uh low end uh, you know, profile that works with each clipping. So you never, you know, you might want to have the hardest clipping, but you could still have great low end. Or if you go to, you know, a little more open setting, but it would get too muddy because more low ends coming through, you just use the little low cut switch to, to tighten it up. And so it's there, those are there really kind of be set and forget and to interact with the clipper. And, uh, and so and then you use the, the tone knob to adjust the high end, you know, whether it's the harshness or the, the kind of sizzle on top of the clipper. And so it's kind of, it's really a, a pretty straightforward thought process that allows you to get real usable tones out of every single clipping option, no matter what rig you're on. Very cool. Very cool. So yeah, we keep we uh, going down your products here. Um, you got those too, obviously. Um, something I've been asking some of the builders, if you're willing to talk about it, is there anything in the pipeline that uh, you're particularly excited about, or are you going to kind of focus on these guys for a while? Um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's hard to say when and where and what, but we're definitely there's definitely more products on the uh, in the pipeline. Um, I'm being kind of backlogged with 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 uh with orders on the petty drive since we released it but hopefully here in the next couple of weeks i will be digging back into my r&d mode and start working on the the next round i will say uh there's there's plans for a few more dual pedals and uh potentially plans for for single pedals as well so we're kind of still in the process of figuring out what those are going to look like, what they're going to be and uh testing the circuits and uh you know as we get along further here we'll have release dates but the line it will be actively growing at, uh for Very a while cool. now. Well I I can already tell that I would yeah. be signing on you know because well, I'm a I'm a fuzz addict so if you come out with a petty fuzz you know you can just pretty much sign me up I'll be there. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh fuzz yeah, addict, it's, huh? it's it's kind of gross. It's kind of gross. That's a good one. It's it's like really, yeah. why do you, why do uh -oh. I need this? Well, cuz I do. That's, <laughs> like yeah. early on when I in my, you know, when I in my pedal collecting days, 
I call my buddy. I'm like, I got, a, yeah, I got this new fuzz. You got to check it out. It's so sweet. And uh, he he's like, wait, hold on. Hold on. How many fuzzes do you have right now? I'm like, I don't know. Um, let me count them up. You know, and this was, this was you know, pretty early on. I'm like, oh, it looks like I got nine. And he's like, and he, and he's like how many pedals troubles. do you have? I'm like, uh, 12. <laughs> and that was a couple of years ago so you can imagine it's only gotten it's only gotten worse Uh-oh. it's not a good it's it's well it is good but you know only i think it's good <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, a, a funny story on fuzz i i early when the first you know 10 15 uh petty drives we built um one of them the iron side uh Decided it was a mm. fuzz pedal and uh, turned itself into a fuzz box. A very cool oh, gated yes. fuzz, actually. It's kind of kind of a, a fuzz factory esque, but with a gate, a very natural gate that was really cool. And I spent about six hours trying to figure out why it was doing that because I wanted I want to <laughs> take that and see if I can't mm-hmm. reproduce it, you know? Because I was just I was just love playing with it and. Uh, I still oh, haven't figured it out. So I know, I know. It's just, it's elusive. You know, these circuits are, they're, they're kind of crazy, but sometimes. And, uh, but uh, I, I've kind of succumbed to, I think I'm just going to box it up and, and it will be a, uh, an anomaly. Oh. It deserves oh, to be boy. played. I'm going uh, <laughs> to have to make the drive down there and uh, investigate that. Oh, and try that one out, right? Man. <laughs> You should see me. I'm grinning like a schoolboy right now. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, that's yeah. fantastic. That's the kind of thing that, that you know, <laughs> it's it's a time warp. You know, you plug plug one of those in, and all of a sudden an hour is gone, and you haven't got anything done, but you had oh, a good that's time. That's what it's all so. about. That's so, that's so awesome. So I've been asking this question. I know we're getting close here. Uh, uh, I, I But I've kind of – I've asked this question the last couple episodes of everybody, so I've, I figure I – might as well keep that tradition alive. Um, if you Sounds if good. you got the time, uh, what would your dream rig be? Kind of going from guitar to guitar to amp. You don't have to get down to like you don't have to guitar get to down amp. to like speaker cables or anything. But sure, sure. Um, oh man, well I'm I am I I have my own. Uh, episodes of gas just mm-hmm. like everyone else um you know right now i'm i'm kind of eyeing a planning out a little bit of a, a a new board for myself uh based around a couple new pedals that have come out recently uh obviously a pre-drive petty drive of course combo um which is which just basically to get the and i will mention that the petty drive was designed to interact with the pre-drive and so, actually, you get the most out of the petty drive if you actually have a pre-drive hitting it in front, which is kind of interesting. So, obviously, it sounds great on its own, but the, between the two of them, you get uh, basically as many channels of gain as you could ever want. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, that's that's fun. So, that kind of takes yeah. care of all of that. Uh, obviously, a volume pedal uh, for me is a, 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 a important piece. Um, and then uh, I've been I haven't played it yet, so you know I'm stepping on on a limb here, but almost purely due to the to the uh, 
just how slick it would be would be a Boss DD500 because it has that it has that same front face, you know, the angled front face as the Pity Johns, and uh, and then and then some sort of reverb pedal. I've even I've even toyed with the idea of rehousing, say, a Hall of Fame or something in one of my boxes. And just having this slick angle, oh, you know, all yeah. across the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would just be just all front row, uh, real, real basic. You know, the drive, volume pedal, delay, and, and reverb, and and that would uh, look cool. Yes, so that would just be real slick kind of flyboard, so to speak. And then uh, I've also, uh, been, I've been kind of a. I I think Summer Nam Boss really came out with a couple really cool products to put them back in the game again. I've I've been wondering when they're going to do that, but I think their new looper there is pretty darn uh, looks pretty darn cool too, as far as the features and the functions. And so I've been I've been thinking about setting up a a, a big board based around that, being that on the front row as well, and keeping all my time-based stuff back there you know with this it can sync through it with the tap and such and uh kind of going with that same theme of the front row with the angle and the true bypass switch look i just think that's pretty fun and then as far as uh as far as guitars and amp go um you know i'm a uh i'm all over the place right now i'm i'm gassing a little bit for uh i just recently stumbled upon the the prs starla the starla is great i i want the starla i really do Uh, i mean it's just i'm a huge fan of a guitar that can that can give me a lot of different tones out of out of one rig so i don't have to change the guitars so obviously that has the coil tap on the on the neck or on the bridge pickup and kind of the filtertron style and i don't know they it just it's got the looks it's got the bigsby it's got a prs neck you know i'm just like they're beautiful i mean they have kind of that less polished shape but they got their own thing going on it's they're gorgeous they got their own thing going on you know i particularly i found that they make a, a it's not real popular so i don't know if they're making it right now or not but i saw one on ebay it's i think it's called ice blue have you seen that finish on that guitar i have not it's like a it's like a sparkle almost a pelham blue type vibe oh, oh no actually i take that, that back right i there. did see that somebody had one on instagram somewhere yeah. i gotta find that again yes yeah yeah i actually posted a picture of one uh on Facebook a few months, a few weeks ago when I found it, I'm like, Oh my God, that might be my new guitar. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, so, you know, obviously that, that's a, that seems like a great guitar at a great price. Uh, I, I'm really intrigued by those pickups. I'm, I'm intrigued by the, by, by the playability of their neck, but I'm not a huge, I'm not, I'm actually not a huge like standard humbucker fan, although I have a few, but right now I'm kind of in a single coil P90, Maybe even Filtertron type mode, where I like that a little bit more of a saturated, sparkly mm-hmm. tone, um, you know. So, so I, I I'm kind of going leaning that way. Obviously, you know, there's there's I I like to have them all, man. I like I like the Tellys. Uh, I rec- I'm, I live up here in Bend, so I, or close to Bend. I'm in Sisters actually, and uh, Rogue Guitar Shop is here in Bend. I go. I usually just drive their orders over. Yeah, go over. tell them hi for me. 
and I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, and I uh, end up uh, TMGs over mm-hmm. there now, you know, uh, and so I played a few of theirs a couple of weeks ago, and gosh, I had to say their their telly was one of the was one of the yeah. new ones, you know, since th- there's things have changed hands oh, yes. over there and. Gosh, that was that that was a uh, actually that was an, that was like an experience. I I don't know if I've ever felt a, and heard a telly like like that one was, and I I went, oh my gosh, that is something. And uh, I, of course, I'm also a huge fan of um, I'm a huge fan of the Veritas in mm-hmm. Portlander semi hollow. That the, I, I I think the Starla is kind of like uh, uh, my attempt of getting a guitar kind of like that but for about yeah, for that, the price <laughs> that is one of the, that that one i i was looking at their stuff today i'm going oh this is something i need to get my hands on somehow the, like the very yeah, stuff was blowing we, my mind we did a, so we did a tools for tone event with them last year with the pre-drive and casey brought out a few of his guitars and they were just unreal uh playability and and tone and just craftsmanship was just it was just like, man, that's that. I'm, I, I've actually in the, historically have been a, a vintage guitar guy. Pretty much all of my guitars I've ever bought are, are, are used and usually as old as I can afford. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm kind of so, right there with you. Uh, uh, but I, I bought a Rickenbacker but, this year, but, and that's the first brand new guitar I've ever bought, ever. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and so, but with these days, with the whole boutique guitar world blowing up, I'm like. I need one of those. I need a Veritas. I need a Doozy. Mm-hmm. I need a, you know, like one of each of these flavors, you know, and they're all just killer flavors. And, and I, I think all of these builders do such good work. I, I can only hope I can, uh, maybe score a few trade points for some pedals towards a couple of these guitars. Well, you know, I, one I, day. <laughs> some, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned Veritas because I, uh, I just recorded a, an episode last episode actually with uh, Chris Benson um, from Benson Amps and he's like oh, cool. he's like have you yeah, checked yeah. out Veritas guitars I'm like no and then I did the next day and was like where have I been what am I doing with my life yeah <laughs> they're incredible <laughs> yeah so the, some of these builders right now they they're doing such a good job at you know making these new designs that aren't stupid like you know what I mean there you it's go. like you could yeah. like you could make it some sort of ridiculous looking guitar and yeah and this has never been done before it's like well there's a reason that's never been done before because it's horrible but these right. <laughs> these these some of these the stuff some of these guys are coming up with fano and others it's like man that's beautiful oh yeah good job <laughs> oh yeah i played a fano over there at rogue that had some p90s in it that made me gasp pretty hard after a fano with p90s in it because it was just like oh this is what P, a P90, you know, kind of offset Jazzmaster like guitar is supposed mm-hmm. to be like, <laughs> you know. So I, I, I think, uh, you know, I, 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 I think I daydream about, you know, in my studio up there because I, I tend to uh, rationalize having lots of different flavors for the sake of the that's studio. That's totally you know, legitimate. But... <laughs> that is completely legitimate. Yeah. There you go. Right. That's a, right, that's a business right. Right. So, uh, Come on, man. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But, uh, uh, you know, so I daydream about, you know, which model from which maker I like. And I think I, I think I need at least six or seven, you know, of these guitars out there right now to, you know, kind of a complete 
but you know, I feel like thirty years from now it will be a it will be a collection from this time yeah. era. You know, and I and I think it's good chance a lot of these companies won't be around, and it would be kind of a kind of a special special thing to have a collection yeah. of these guitars from when they're being made. You know, I almost feel like this is kind of a I don't know like. There's been boutique guitar builders forever, but these last, like, I don't know, four years, it's like, that's when people yep. really started cranking out the magic, uh, in my opinion. Maybe I'm maybe I'm inaccurate. Maybe that's yep. just when I started paying attention, but I'm, I'm pretty impressed, I got to say. I, I think things have gone to a new level. And, and honestly, you know, even Page on Electronics, I think, is part of part of it and part i I think i think honestly part of it is that people are willing there's there's a group of people out there that are are willing to pay for it um you know you you get into a studio world and if you're serious you don't blink an eye at spending 3k on a microphone or 2k in a microphone preamp or 5k on converters you know or that type of money for a simple piece of gear is is just kind of what you do if you're a professional, but in the guitar world for so long, it's like, man, I can just, I can buy a $500 guitar and a $500 amp and a, and a, you know, a hundred dollar dirt box and let's go gig. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And you can, but at the same time, I feel like there's this, uh, this, this, you know, renaissance of, of tone and feel and, and and craftsmanship that people are it, it, it's not even so much people say well the people in the crowd probably can't even hear that and i think some of the times that's actually i think true. a lot of the time it is um, but i don't think it's necessarily for them <laughs> that's and then that, and that's where i go from there i go but the difference is is if the person playing the guitar is feeling better is 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 feeling like what they're putting out is coming through and inspiring them then they perform better and the entire experience goes up a notch. You know, if they're not worried about messing with some, their tone's not quite right, you know, so they're messing with the pedal. If they can just sit down and rip, be inspired and, and, and create musical moments and connect with the crowd, man, that's, and the gear's not getting in the way, it's just pushing that all forward. There's something special about that, you know? And, and I think a lot of these high-end builders, that's, that's what they're really building for. It's not. It's not necessarily even for the audience. It's. It's so that when the musician sits down to play, that the gear responds, and doesn't hold them back, but actually pushes them forward, and uh, and, and gives back in in uh, just every step of the way. And I and I think that's that's so neat, you know. So, um, a, a, as far as amps go. Oh man, I want to finish the well, question. That was a, that was a brilliant uh, little diatribe you just went on there. I couldn't have said that better than myself. That was you fantastic. like that? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. No, that one. That that that's a that's my little spiel, man. I I tell that to people all the time. I'm like, it's it it's you know, and I think that's something I found. You know, the whole feel, the interaction between the gear and the performer is something that even my pr- pedals are all about. They're all about. Uh, in the studio, being able to get exactly the tone you want coming through the microphones without having to do a ton of tweaking, just quickly being able to get there and, and, and getting a sound that fits in the mix right, right away. Um, 
that allows you to focus on performance and focus on getting your take right. And if, if it feels right, you can, you can get there faster, but then you can take that out on the road with you. You know, it's not just stuck in the studio with you. You can actually go perform that out. I think that's really, really, you know, important. Um, and, and, and so it's, it's a, it's, it's a big part of what I do. I think it's, uh, finding that inspiration and that, that feel of, of everything. It, when it really comes down to it, it is about the music and trying to reconnect with, with music these days is really important. And, uh, <laughs> that's all right again, but I think it's an it important is, it's part. It's very important. Um, you can't talk I, I think, about it enough. So that's, that's great. Yeah. And I think we're always in this, 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 this pendulum balance of, of of fun and in seriousness with this industry right it's all a ton of fun but it's also really serious you know connecting emotionally with music with people can be really serious can be really fun you know and and i try to i try to keep those both try to you know balance those right. as much as i can as i'm as i'm moving forward and but uh i think um I do, as far as amps go, I'm in the same boat with like the boutique builders of mm -hmm. amps. Uh, right, right now, I think Jackson Ampworks has some of the best stuff I've ever heard. Um, I think uh, in the styles that I like, you know, they're Newcastle and Fullerton. They've got a few models that just are just mind blowing to me how good they sound. I think there's three or four other uh, companies making just killer designs. You know, you got your, your bad cats and your, your uh, Morgans and all these, you know, Tyler's another one that makes them even Benson up there. He's doing some great work, you know, I, I, and, I and I haven't really uh, dug into it yet to find which exact ones I would want. Um, mainly because I'm still working on my pedalboard and my guitar you know, set up. I feel like after I kind of got that a little more solidified, I'm going to go, go, I'll go amp hunting when I can afford to, you know, <laughs> it, until then I'm playing right now. I'm playing, uh, I got a little amp that's done me really well. I got a 65 amps, uh, mm -hmm. 112 cab with a Celestian G12 gold in the back, you know, they're a great cab. That's a great 112 cab. I got that with the idea of, using these you know smaller wattage uh kind of lunchbox well yeah. tube amp heads and just wanted to get a whole collection of them for the studio basically have a little rack of lunchbox heads because they're not that expensive and just wanted to get a really good cab that i could use any of them with you know whether it's you know like a little transatlantic or a, at the time a lot of the boutique companies weren't really making them yet but now they are so now you know jackson or a morgan or any of these smaller guys making these smaller heads under 30 watts i just just use them with with my with my cab but right now i'm just i only have one and i'm just uh using uh it's a little oh, box nitrate that is a that great little lamp isn't it i've modded a little bit yeah. oh i just love it and what i did um i did a really simple mod that really was a game changer for the amp for me for one i bought the cab i i actually i actually bought it new from pgs which i very rarely do but it was when they still had their showroom downtown Portland there. I, I went up with my guitars and my pedal board and sat in the amp room and tried out combos of, you know, different combos versus heads and, and, and cabs. 
and just played my gear through every possible combination I could find that was remotely in my price yeah. range. <laughs> hey, I've done that and, same exact thing, and, and the and night I train is the one I wanted, too. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I ended up on this night train with, this, with a nice cab, and uh, it sounded, you know, I put it side by side with the hand-wired AC-15, and I liked the night train a little bit more with the 65 amps cab. And I was like, you know, this is, and it was 400 bucks less. So I went with that. And then um, I did a little mod. I thought, you know, this is going to get me by for a while, but definitely still thinking about getting other heads. And I, and I uh, has this curious switch called the uh, a thick, yes, thick and yes. bright mode. I don't know if you recall that, but basically if you throw it into thick mode, it bypasses the EQ and you get a lot more gain and kind of sounds like a kind of distortion mm -hmm. channel or something. But but it's a lot warmer. And uh, I went, man, if this thing could clean up, you know, because I feel like the EQ is a little brittle and a little a little thin. And uh, so I dropped a low gain tube uh, in the front end of that. And voila, the uh, thick mode is plenty of clean headroom. And I can get full swing out of that at any gig. I can get full swing out of the power amp and the preamp and bypass my EQ completely. Wait, so wait all my tone What's is right again? out of my pedals. <laughs> my, oh yeah, Stephen okay, Pettyjohn. I thought I was talking to because my no, my my friend did the exact same thing with his night drain. It's great. Like oh, I, man. I went up there to buy the. I went up there and did the same thing that you did. Shot it out all the gear, and I was like, okay, when I have the scratch, I'm gonna be buying the night drain. And then, you know, he's he's in my band, right? So then uh, his birthday came along before mine, and his parents. Uh, and his family went in together. He didn't have any idea they were getting it for him, but he had mentioned he wanted that amp, and oh, they nice. bought it for him. And I'm like, well, I can't have the same amp as you. i got to get something else. But but he did the same right. exact thing. <laughs> he popped a lower gain uh, tube in, and exactly, that thing sounds great. He built his own cab, and it, and it has a, yeah. a, a green back in it. Yeah. And, a green back, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a ripper of an amp for, for the price. Man, it really is, especially... I. I it's got me really thinking about amps a little bit in a different way, to be honest. This whole idea of no EQ, just preamp gain and power amp gain, uh, is just, it's so great, especially with the pedal-based drive system. It's just, you know, get get the full full range, push push both all your tubes as hard as they, right to the sweet spot, and do all your tone shaping with your pedals in your hands, you know, in your guitar. And uh, it's been just just the my favorite thing ever in fact i hardly guess after amps even with my little night train you know because it's just it mm -hmm. gets the job done extremely credibly i can, I can understand <laughs> that i yeah i mean I, i've always been a fan of that ever since they came out so i know what you're talking about yeah yeah it's it's, it's surprising it's very surprising maybe not the most uh you know boutique of anything but it's definitely it's definitely been an enjoyable amp for me and consequently what i've ended up using for designing most of my pedals well, hey, there you <laughs> go perfect so so man I, I we could just keep going i know we could this is how every episode's gone uh, where i have to go i, I say this at Good. the end of every episode man we could just go all night but um i know that you got some things going on and and uh, yeah, it's uh, drawn to a co close, or we'll, we literally will be talking about gear all night. So, thank, 
thank totally. you very much for coming on. Um, always, always you welcome bet. to do it again. It was very enjoyable talking to you. Um, if you had any closing thoughts uh, before we we sign off here, you know, uh, not not particularly. Just thanks for thanks for having me on, and I know we're Paige on still kind of new kids on the block, but we are uh, we we aim to be just super approachable. Uh, so if any of you guys have any questions on our products, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, and, um, you know, we want to be awesome in service and, and be excellent in the products that we produce. So we're really wanting to keep, keep the bar of boutique pedals going up and, and, and be a part of this movement of just creating new gear for the music of the future, you know, to push, push the envelope. And, uh, and we're just really, uh, honored and blessed to be a part of part of this time it's really exciting that, that's awesome thank you very much again for coming on it was awesome talking to you uh same same boat here being totally. new kids on the block i'm i'm trying to talk to anybody that uh has a has something i'm interested in talking about gear wise and so everybody's been really cool so far and uh yeah thank thank you awesome. again and uh so you bet yeah. Thank you. For Stephen Pettyjohn, my name is Blake Wyland, and uh, as always, good luck and good tones. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company. And I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style. Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got Three different guitars that now have Gun Street harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out.